Our friend Yael Lasowski at the Consumer Choice Center, typically with us on Fridays in the third hour of the show. But he was up on a mountain somewhere Friday, and his daughter was bringing him a beer when I last talked with him before you know, we were unable to secure the connection. And I think, Yael, as we bring you in this morning, that is going to be your new Consumer Choice Radio promo. Hold on, my daughter's getting me a beer. I'll be right back. Well, that's what we live every single day. So, yeah, <laughs> apologies for that. Uh, I was on, you know, the highest point in the entire city, looking at the beautiful sun, finally out of lockdown, enjoying it. Daughter rushes to me, brings me a beer, and I drop the connection while bending down. So I, it is good poetic justice. I mean, uh, really, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, this segment brought to you by my two-year-old and uh, said alcoholic uh, beverage of your choice. I think uh, you know, there might be something to that, Yael. I haven't yet uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, trained my daughter on going to the fridge and get me a cold one just yet, but uh, you're obviously miles and eons ahead of me, uh, since you're ahead of me anyway, time-wise, each and every uh, segment that you join us in. Yeah, that's what we do here. We we keep it uh, six hours ahead, but uh, in terms of training our youngins to satisfy our consumer demands, we'd be sure to teach them real young. <laughs> no doubt. Hey, and a big congratulations to your brother, by the way. Make the announcement uh, as far as, you know, big achievement and a big win last night as, uh, you know, he works on the NASCAR circuit. Yeah, for those of you who are in uh, North Carolina and huge NASCAR fans, you'll know that uh, William Byron uh, won his second-ever cup race there in uh, Homestead, Miami, great state of Florida. And uh, my brother is the rear tire changer, so that was his first uh, big win as a full-time member of the team. So he, he got to celebrate, you know, whatever, with his mask on, but still got to celebrate, got a nice picture with the trophy, and uh, it was all in all great win. It's a nice start to the beginning of the NASCAR season, a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, one of the only sports that has continued on and on throughout the, the pandemic. So that's that's awesome to see and, and really happy for those guys. Congratulations again to your bro. And it uh, must be a, a really cool experience to be you know, uh, on pit row in NASCAR and then picking up uh, the checkered flag, his team, uh, over the weekend. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Is it time for the Osowskis to board a plane and come over to the States? Uh, tell me that the answer is yes, and then give me the conditions in which you have to move through in order to get here to the United States and then back to Vienna at some point. Yeah, it's looking sunny. It's looking sunny. So uh, there's a lot of different things being sort of worked on in the background, but we're, we're definitely looking at, at eyeing towards an April arrival there in the U.S., it has not been a fun adventure doing throughout lockdowns in Europe. The vaccine procurement is very slow, and developments, at least throughout the state of North Carolina, are going pretty well. I mean, there's obviously different uh, <laughs> different case studies that we can look at, uh, but I think April is going to be the time to return. A lot of family that we want to see, friends we want to see. We want to get out to Wilmington, go out towards the beach, enjoy the warm weather. So we'll be able to go. It won't be a too onerous uh, crossing the border. Uh, the only, I guess, bad part will be in coming back home. So going to the U.S., not a problem. Uh, you know, we're able to keep our masks the entire flight. Uh, apparently, Joe, I did hear this. The regulation is that all two-year-olds and up must wear a mask throughout the entire flight. So that's a law that we will definitely not be following because I don't think my daughter will uh, tolerate a mask. Uh, she's never had to wear one before, and I don't think she's going to do that for the flight. Uh, but that's that's its own issue. Uh, coming back will be an issue. We still have five days in quarantine that we'll have to do mandatory, even if we test negative. 
So that, that will be very problematic and not fun. But regardless, uh, I think April is the perfect time to come to North Carolina, get to celebrate my birthday, get to see the beautiful spring weather there in North Carolina, there in the Piedmont region. So it's, it's going to be a great time and, and really looking forward to it. Not uh, We don't have the dates down yet, Joe, but as soon as I do, I'll, I'll let you know. Please uh, get me in the know so I can you know secure the calendar to make sure we get to hang out and the our little girls get to hang out again together as they did uh, what was it back in late September of this past year which was uh, great to see you and have you in the studio and then uh, show you around Wilmington too bad it was a, a rainy day so we didn't get out and enjoy it like we could but hopefully next time you come around we'll have plenty here planned for you as uh, we welcome back the Asowskis to the States and the uh, North Carolina after, you know, the little hiatus here. And it's amazing, you know, when we talk about the tests, you know, you said we test negative, we still have to quarantine. Well, up in Canada, you know, at least you get to quarantine right in your own home. In Canada, what is the situation up there at this point if you fly into their country? Yeah, there it's even worse. So for returning travelers, if uh, even if you're negative, if you test negative at the location where you were, and if you test negative at the airport, you still need to do two weeks in a hotel at your own expense. They had discussed giving everybody a stipend of up to $2,000, uh, but they scrapped that, and now you need to do it at your own cost. And they, they actually put this policy in pretty quickly. So there's a lot of people who are traveling abroad, came back home, and all of a sudden they had to go, you know, stick it out in the Holiday Inn for two weeks. Well, you know, maybe they learned something at the Holiday Inn Express, but overall, this does not seem to be a, a very good scientific policy. It's surely not going to be great for all these people who have lives to get back to, businesses to get back to. Uh, it's definitely going to be incredibly expensive. And uh, we've seen this plan also in Australia. They've had this. Hawaii actually had a version of this in the very beginning of the pandemic, though they've scrapped that since. But I tell you, this stuff is, is getting strange. This is the weird thing about traveling around the world, Joe, is you see all these differences and, and how governments are responding. And it's, it's always very difficult to see which ones are actually relying on science and which ones are not. And it seems as if uh, not many uh, governments, uh, are, they uh, you know use the word science a lot, but uh, when we look into it, uh, I mean, you get a negative test, uh, you're back in, what, your own home, you would be, you know, technically, yet you have to go to a hotel, and then who's to say that, uh, you know, in the hotel that you don't pass a stranger and contract the virus in the hallway of uh, that local motel that you have to stay at at your own expense because the government told you you need to quarantine. Uh, just uh, Well, I'll ridiculous. do you one better, Joe. I'll I'll do you one better. They actually have you, they request that you lock yourself in the room, and they have various security guards that check to make sure that nobody's out of their room. And uh, there actually, unfortunately, have been many instances where there are various of these security guards that have been accused of sexual assault and uh, all kinds of, of very you know deviant criminal behavior. And it's just very bad incentives all around, terrible policy, not looking good for Canada, which is very unfortunate. I'm hoping to get there, you know, sometime this year to, to visit my family. But man, this is a it's a crazy time. And I really wish and hope that our, our elected leaders would just follow some of the scientific recommendations and advice that we're hearing all of the time. But it seems as if it's a lot more about what is politically expedient for many of them. Well, speaking of political expediency, I mean, it's on display every day here in the States, uh, you know, particularly within uh, government and particularly within uh, uh, the left wing of uh, our uh, uh, political way of life and on the spectrum. I mean, we're old enough to remember, Yael, it was the end of the year. We were approaching the presidential election. 
Uh, the economy was in shambles. President Trump, uh, some of his staff were talking about the need to learn how to live with the virus and that vaccinations were on the way. Yet uh, his political counterparts, uh, those in the media, uh, demagogued him, criticized him, told him that he was a murderer and that uh, you know all of these uh, people who had been dying from uh, or as a result uh, with the virus, from the virus, whoever way you want to look at it, was at his hands. He had blood on his hands that was leading up into the presidential election. You couldn't dare say we're going to have to learn to move forward, onward and upward at some point. And then... Magically, after the presidential election, uh, well, you had the new commander-in-chief in waiting, President-elect Joe Biden, being vaccinated after telling people f- beforehand that he wasn't necessarily, you know, in an Operation Warp Speed and, you know, how they fast-tracked these types of things. It's pretty amazing, uh, the, the doublespeak that many of our politicians get away with. And that's on both sides, but particularly, you know, with this presidential election, you know, now in the rearview mirror, I mean, the Democrats uh, politicized the science, they were skeptical of the vaccines, and now they're all in on it. And we can't, in fact, go back to school unless our teachers are all vaccinated. It's amazing how this all works when you put it all together. Yeah, and those of us who trade jabs in the political arena, you know, it's, it's very normal that there will be many grandiose claims and falsehoods and, and people are using politics to their advantage. But this has an impact on people's lives, people's views of the vaccines, and when we go back and look, and, and thankfully there's a Wall Street Journal article that does this fairly well, if we go back and look last year, uh, around this time and much later, you had many mainstream Democratic leaders. You had Chuck Schumer, you had Kamala Harris, who was running for president at that time, actually stating openly that they would not accept a vaccine that had come and was approved during the time of the Trump presidency. So that in itself led to a, a kind of huge revulsion by many normal people. There were polls done in April uh, that showed that it was it was something like 75% of the population had uh, basically said they were not going to take a vaccine if it was approved at that time. Uh, luckily, those numbers have come down, and luckily Operation Warp Speed is up and running, and we are getting vaccinations everywhere. But look, they can't run from this. There was letters throughout the summer and even in August you had uh, your favorite governor, Andrew Cuomo, up there in New York, saying the same thing, saying he wouldn't trust a thing that the FDA would put out during the Trump era. And it that was incredibly reckless behavior. And we're seeing part of that play out uh, more so in Germany, where many leaders in Germany had sort of the same rhetoric at the time about the AstraZeneca vaccine. They said the very same thing. They said, oh, we're not sure how it'll affect the elderly population. They put out these statements kind of sowing doubt, even though the studies have proved the opposite. And now all the elders in Germany are not taking the vaccine. And they're wondering why not. Well, if you sow doubts like this as a public official, that's exactly what's happening. The pendulum swings back. And it's very unfortunate to see. Hopefully we can get rid of this. I I know that no one's going to own up to this. No one is going to apologize. We're not going to see any, you know, large fact checks come from uh, the large media outlets, unfortunately. But as long as the people know, and uh, again, people should always be skeptical of, of governmental officials, but if they're downplaying science and they're downplaying innovation just for temporary political game, then that's where you know that really you should call a spade a spade. Now, Yael, were you talking about uh, this governor, Andrew Cuomo? Never get cocky with COVID. Truer words were never spoken. I'll take credit for that quote. Never get cocky with COVID. Was that uh, the governor you were speaking of just a moment ago? (laughs) 
Yes, exactly. And I, I don't know if this guy's going to be bulletproof because he's, he's got a lot of accusations being flung at him, uh, not least of which are the nursing home deaths, which have now been covered in every major mainstream outlet. So there's a lot of mistakes that were made. And here's the thing is anyone who is willing to admit that they just didn't have the information at the time, that's fine. None of us had the information. We didn't know how this would play out. We didn't know if we could get a vaccine up and running. But to actually sow discord and to cast doubt on the entire process, I think was really irresponsible. I mean, look, we just have the most amazing, innovative procedure before our eyes take place. Vaccines coming up out of the woodwork, being put together in just a number of months, that's something to celebrate. And I think, unfortunately, so many of the comments of the past year were really hurtful to that. Uh, hopefully, a lot of the American people did not listen to them, uh, those people then, and, and hopefully now we can get to normal, get the vaccines out, and uh, we can kind of move on to other political topics to make sure that we can continue to make our lives free. Oh, I would love that. Uh, yet, uh, of course, uh, this past Friday, nothing like uh, you know uh, democracy dying in darkness to take uh, the uh, moniker and the slogan of the Washington Post. Uh, nothing better than the Friday night votes uh, that uh, take place in, in uh, you know chambers of government all across the country. Here we had, uh, of course, the House passing the two trillion dollar uh, Democrat wish list, uh, quote unquote, COVID relief package uh, on Friday night. Uh, uh, and then you had uh, here in North Carolina, our governor uh, vetoing a you know, bill that would have uh, allowed schools uh, to provide options for full in-person instruction. He made that veto announcement uh, Friday night as well. It's amazing how uh, the timing of all of this uh, shakes out in the way these uh, politicians do business. Uh, not, in fact, in the light, uh, often in the darkness of night. Yael, as I let you go, and uh, of course, typically you join us as part of our Freedom Friday broadcast, but I know someone very special to you uh, passed this past weekend, or this past week, and uh, let's uh, commemorate your grandfather, 93 years old, who passed away, a World War II veteran. He's our featured Freedom Friday on a Monday uh, uh, guest here today. Give us a little insight into uh, your pop and uh, his life. Uh, What kind of guy was he? Yeah, thanks so much, Joe. So this is uh, Erwin Ososki, who's my my grandfather. He was born in East Prussia, so a part of Germany that doesn't exist anymore. It's since been occupied by the Soviets and now the Russians, uh, but basically fought in the Second World War. Uh, he was he was on the opposite side, on, on as many of your listeners as the, on the German side, but effectively survived that. You know, was a tank commander, was teaching other cadets how to work the tanks. Uh, eventually was conscripted by the British to go work in the coal mines where he nearly died. Uh, After that was over, he was able to get on a boat to Canada, make a new life, was able to set up some farmland for himself, eventually got into business and furniture shipping, uh, just built up a beautiful life, now has grandchildren all over the world. I'm very happy that I was able to come back to the old world, that we had our daughter, she'll be speaking German, she'll be able to speak his native language, and uh, I tell you, Joe, my uh, my grandfather was a great admirer of the station and, and of our show and my radio hits. Uh, we often debated about political matters. He was still incredibly, incredibly active in politics and very critical and skeptical. And it's really thanks to him that I that I just really grew a great appreciation for finding truth in everything that happens in politics. So uh, just amazing life that he led. Uh, amazing family that he was able to build, a true immigrant story coming from nothing, basically from the ravaged home that was uh, the European continent at the time, built a great life, 
and uh, provided so much uh, for us. So he's definitely been an inspiration for me. I've cited him in many of my articles over the years and uh, just someone I'll be thinking about every day. So that, that goes out the, uh, to him. Thanks so much, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Condolences to your family and uh, and uh, having a grandmother that's around the same age. Uh, I can't speak again uh, about the influence uh, that I'm sure your grandfather, as you just said, uh, has had over your life, the way you see things, the way uh, you question things. And, uh, you know, I have similar feelings about my grandmother as well. So, uh, you know, thoughts are with you and your family uh, this week. And thanks so much for adapting, adjusting your schedule to join us here on this Monday. Yes, sir, Joe. That's why we do it. Keep on. It's great to be on the beginning of the week. There's a lot of it's a different energy on a Monday. <laughs> it certainly is. You have a different energy. You seem refreshed and like you, in fact, had a couple of nice cold beers brought to you by your daughter over the weekend and were re-energized and refocused rather than trying to you know, break away like you were on Friday. It's amazing uh, what three days can do. Absolutely, Joe. That's why I love it. Keep it oh, going, right, brother. We'll talk to you later this week. We're going to have a double dose of Yael this week. How about that? Oh, I love it. I love it. Hope the <laughs> listeners like it, too. Thanks so much, Joe. That's Yael Lasowski with the Consumer Choice Center with us here on this Monday morning here on the Big Talker FM, 910-299-7535 if you'd like to jump in.